Welcome to another episode of the Nearly Go Around Podcast. I'm Ronaldo McKenzie. Question. Do you believe that resource-based sentencing and supervision makes those with limited resources turn to crime as a way to access opportunity? Since opportunities are lacking or or limited or lacking in, in communities where some turn to illegality. But not all crimes stem from lack of opportunity. No, I do not believe that somebody would... Where some turn to illegality. ...incarcerate themselves just to be a part of this program. Well, I mean, it's I mean... Oxymoronic. Well, yeah, but there are those who would... <coughs> oh, it's, it is oxymoronic, but there are those who actually do that. There are those who actually Ridiculous. sell it. They say, excuse me. If excuse me, if you oh people who develop this program sell it to those less fortunate. No, I'm just saying. I mean, we're looking at. Listen, when you develop a program, you explore all the become way. a criminal, do criminality in order to make. Money. No, you don't say you're going to become well, a criminal. Criminality should not be rewarded in those aspects. In those no, ways. no, but punish. No, but punishment. Punishment is the people are punished. Okay, when they when they when they commit when they do wrong. And when they uh, okay, and punishment not serves also not, serves as a deterrent. Okay, people aren't just held accountable for their wrongs through through punishment, okay, or punitive action. Okay, that's not how that that's the only way they are held accountable for it. But they are also held. But I mean, sorry, that's not the only way. That's not what the only. That's not the only thing. That's not the only purpose of punishment. Punishment is also a deterrent. A deterrent to crime. Okay, but when you know that you can go, when you know that you, when you know that you can commit a crime. Okay, and 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 access resource-based sentencing and supervision. Then, I mean, what? Then, then I mean, it's not a big deal if I commit the crime because I'm not. I'm also gonna gain. I'm gaining if no, I commit the no crime. There's no guarantee that you're gonna gain, and crime stigmatizes you. Crime follows you. All right, I gotta go. Of course, crime follows you, but excuse me, when you are already disadvantaged and you're already seen as criminal, you are already, especially when you live in vulnerable communities. Yes, and these people, these people, especially those who are affected by crime and the perpetrators of crime. Okay. Are people lacking in certain literacy skills? People lacking, and people who are exposed to that particular kind of lifestyle. But that is if that's the only reason why people are incarcerated. As I said to you just now, that that's a lopsided view of looking at criminality. People people commit crime not just not only because they lack opportunity, but if they already live in communities where they lack opportunities, then you, then of course, then. The, then the resource-based sentencing provision may serve, may not serve, may 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 dilute may, the efficacy of the deterrent. So okay, that it provides. Anyways, so but that's what's coming up the near, under the This is under the liberal rally. Pharmacy is the big rate. But, but but before we get into that commentary, we have some more. We have some other things we're going to consider, and we got some stories we're going to share.
is season five, episode three. And today is part three and last episode on the Sentencing Foundation. Of course, as you know, the Sentencing Foundation is raising awareness and resources and funds to reduce recidivism or resentencing and mass incarceration. And they recently had a launch and fundraising event in Philadelphia, which had or hosted several stakeholders, benefactors, professionals, judges, attorneys, academics, um, ex-offenders, and so on. Now, today's episode, we continue with the Sentencing Foundation, with some of the interviews and stories that we had captured while at the event. So, the episode will feature Rosalind Blackwell, which is another powerful story from an ex-offender, now re-entry program organized in Philadelphia. And the Honorable Judge Stephanie M. Sawyer, who will put all of this into perspective and respond to some of my rebuttal and any detractions regarding this program because she will provide the rationale and the justification about the program and what happened and what needs to happen. She provides a powerful response and explanation. And then I end. Now, when we come back, we will go straight into the episode and we'll pick up from where we left off with Rosalind Blackwell. But just so you know, please continue to support the program here at the Nilo Gorong Podcast. And you can donate to us by visiting www.anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support. And also you can donate to the neoliberal corporation and what we are seeking to do, which is serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. And we have major projects and programs on the horizon, on the horizon and we continue to do several things. Of course, you can check out my book, Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance, which is available worldwide in all platform. And of course, my next book that's coming up, Neoliberal Globalization Reconsidered, and I might add, and the Black Position. This is the Neoliberal Round Podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the episode. Here is Rosalind Blackwell, who recently addressed Rosalind Blackwell is an ex-offender who is now serving as a re-entry program coordinator 
and is a part of the Sentencing Foundation. She shared her story at the launch of the at the Sentencing Foundation web release on December 1. And we have her powerful story coming up next. Or maybe you got caught and you need the right people. 
so you weren't reprimanded for what it was that you did. So just because someone's circumstances are less than what you are doesn't mean that they don't deserve a chance. And if we want to keep giving chances, we can keep spending $45,000 a year to house inmates, or we can let Judge Sawyer not violate these inmates and send them to me and I can pay them $15 an hour in wages. Talk can change people can move on people can move on move on from the problems that they create in society people can move on from criminal people change and when they change they can change to the extent where they now are making themselves worthwhile changing to the point where they are making an impact, moving the needle forward, moving society forward. You know, Miss Blackwell said something quite powerful. By the way, she said something about corruption. Corruption in the prison. I wonder what she was alluding to there. Corruption in the prison. But she said, we can keep spending $45,000 per year to house inmates. Or we can let the judges, such as Judge, Judge Stephanie M. Sawyer, who created the program, or, or is leading the program, or we can let judges not send them or resentence them. Instead, send them to her program, and she will pay them $15 per hour in wages. And then she move, goes on to say, so donate, donate, donate. And then she says, I'm testimony of what can be done, what needs to be done. I'm testimony of what can be done and what needs to be done. Because she says that she's a mother of three. And she was just, she's an ex-felon, but here she's making a difference. If only, you know, people can change if only we provide them an opportunity. If we provide people opportunities, they'll change. If we provide opportunities in society, also we wouldn't have to think about incarceration. But this is this is not the comment. I mean, I was just basically telling you that when I first got appointed as a judge uh, municipal court, the first thing I said to myself is that I was not going to be the kind of judge that helped to feed the beast that is mass incarceration. Yes. Right? Um, the way the system currently operates, it d does just that. And yeah. I'll leave a little bit of that commentary to the side. Yes. Um, but I will say that uh, um, the general path that somebody gets convicted, right? 
except for intentional carve-outs. And when I say carve-outs, I mean things like ARD. They say ARD is Accelerated Rehabilitation Disposition. Yes, yes. They say if you have a zero prior record score, we're going to not put you through the criminal justice system and we're going to give you a different path. Yes. Um, they have a um, drug treatment court. Oh, because you're a drug addict, we're going to carve you out of the criminal yes. justice system and treat you in this manner. Or veterans court. Because you're a veteran, I'm going to carve you out of the criminal justice system and treat you in this path. Yeah. Or mental health court. Because you have mental health problems, I'm going to carve you out of the criminal justice system. And so except for these intentional carve-outs, yeah. the, the criminal justice system works like this. A judge will sentence somebody and they'll either sentence them to probation and flub them off to probation officers, yes. or they'll sentence them to incarceration and flub them off to the Department of Correction, 90-something percent get out, wow. and they get flubbed off to a parole officer. Yes. And the next time that judge who sees the person they sentence will be when a probation or parole officer is so frustrated yes. that they opine revocation mm. because the defendant is either not doing what the probation or parole officer asked them to do yes. or has a new case yes. or has a new conviction. Right. In those three circumstances, the probation or parole officer will request a violation of probation hearing yes. and recommend additional punishment. And the next time the sentencing judge sees the person they sentence yes. is when that happens. Yes. And because they have no experience with the person, they'll quite naturally follow yes. what the probation or parole officer asks them to do. That's true. And so the next time that the judge who sentenced you sees you, it's time to punish you again. Yes, yes. So if judges only see people... That was the voice of the Honorable Stephanie M. Sawyer, the mind behind the Sentencing Foundation. And, you know, we, some, some time ago in the first episode, the first, sorry, the fir first episode of, 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 of season five, which, is, which was part one of looking at the Sentencing Foundation, we explored the benefits, but we also asked if it also makes we had also asked if it also makes crime look attractive when certain people in community may now get better and more access to resources and opportunities that they think that they do not otherwise have and went as far for and went further to as to consider the victims who are still reeling from the crime and the political will to do anything to stem mass incarceration based on votes since ex-offenders can vote in Philadelphia because Suave, and earlier we, we said Suavo Gonzalez, but I'm learning that it's Suave Gonzalez. Suave Gonzalez had talked about the fact that an ex-offender who is now Pulitzer Prize winner, who we carried in part one of the of this series, um, had indicated that, um, that in Philadelphia, uh, he was able to vote 30 days after he was released. And and uh, we and we said that that's one of the things that voters have in Philadelphia, uh, that ex-offenders have in Philadelphia, is that they are able to vote. And so we consider whether or not there is any kind of political will to get this particular to get this to get a buy-in on this program, and whether or not persons will only will only act if there is some kind of in, um, special interest. But beyond that, when you listen to Miss Stephanie M, the Honorable Stephanie M Sawyer, and she talks about the program, it you know it. It's a, it goes beyond just thinking about it in, the, in that way, okay? And we're going to hear from Miss Sawyer some more. But what is important is that most of the, 
What most of the ex-offenders are black and brown people is from communities ravished by poverty, low incomes and rising crime and violence. And in retrospect, we did a podcast series on what's life like living in Philadelphia, where many people suggested a father's movement was needed as younger men are beset by crime and violence and are lacking responsible fathers. However, many fathers are incarcerated and the lack of resources for ex-offenders create further challenges in rehabilitation. Thus, the cycle of incarceration from lack of fathers in communities. However, as we said before, judges are coming together to help with not just locking up offenders, but but creating a way that rehabilitates offenders so that they can re-enter society with resources to provide for themselves their families and communities. And of course, you're going to hear in one of the interviews where somebody said they do not like the word rehabilitate, but you're going to hear, um, uh, and miss, and as we wrap, as we continue to delve into this program, you he- you'll hear the Honorable Stephanie M. Sawyer talking about that. Now, of course, we, 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 we look at the uh, Suave Gonzalez, who is a former inmate who is now on parole, lifetime parole. We shared his story. And, and we talked about the fact that in his re-entry in society was not easy, yet was able to access resources despite uncertainty and lack that has helped him to become an empowering figure to others, such as the woman, the young lady we heard earlier, who is now running her own re-entry program. And of course, he's a ghostwriter of several books and a Pulitzer Prize podcast winner. So that that that's and so, and his comment was very important. So and he talked about the fact that the the foundation plays a vital, a pivotal role in raising awareness about mass incarceration and provide resources that help the resource-based sentencing and supervision to provide resources to inmates, ex-offenders, and parolees. We also pointed out some time ago in relation to Suavo's statement about providing opportunity and its lack in society. And of course, you hear Rosalind. Rosalind Blackwell also talked about opportunity, talking about providing equal opportunity. But we say that equal opportunity is an affront to inequality and advantage that some have and want to maintain. So if providing opportunities means that others will come up, then those who are ahead, which which is the case in society, may be suspicious of the competition from the uprising based on opportunity and equal access and may be slow to provide any opportunity and or may prefer to limit opportunity. So it will be interesting to follow how this effort will take shape and whether it will find support in other communities and um, other communities nation, nationwide. Moreover, moreover, there is the argument that while this program is vital, and provide benefits to reducing mass incarceration and recidivism in society. It also creates another problem in that those who lack access and opportunity may now see crime and incarceration differently. It may no longer be a deterrent to want to commit crime. If you may find accessing resources through resource-based sentencing and supervision that you cannot get normally and without committing any crime. The executive director of the program of the Sentencing Foundation, pointed out that she had gotten a job for an ex-convict paying $30 an hour, while social workers with college degrees were getting $17 to $21 per hour. Moreover, those who have been victimized by those who have served their time 
and or got their times cut short on good behavior and are now or can now get access to opportunity and resources may still may may still be reeling from that victimization. We're talking the, the, the victims may still be reeling from that victimization, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, or some setbacks caused by the victimization of the crime and lack access and opportunity themselves or any worthwhile recovery of their loss. What actions are there to also improve or assist those who have suffered setbacks from crime and violence? And how do we reconcile these detractions from the program? Nevertheless, every crime or violent act cannot and must not be viewed in the general and must be taken on the merits of the particular crime. So the program towards restoring an individual through the provision of resources require a deeper understanding of incarcerations, victimization, relative deprivation, poverty, racism and discrimination, bad policing, and new discoveries in legal matters and the law, rehabilitation and also the preservation of society. The last point is important as incarcerations also create the lack of fathers in the home that has led to lack of parenting and more crime and violence among younger men. However, it would seem that we are working backwards or spreading our resources too widely as opportunities and resources are limited within communities, which has also led to crime and violence. We will continue to discuss and follow this program and provide more coverage and interviews on the Foundation's recent event launching their website, providing more awareness and raising funds for the organization. However, we are reminded in scriptures that all have sinned and fallen short and that there is no, not one that is righteous, so that we are all in need of restoration and forgiveness. Lest we forget the golden rule, do unto others what we want others to do to us. And so we must be able to move beyond ourselves and situations in order to see the bigger picture, then we can truly move to social action. Importantly, justice is not just about finding fault, but also restoring both, restoring both the victim and the perpetrator. And so both goes hand in hand. Therefore, we cannot be selfish in our pity and victimization, but must move to forgiveness as we are reminded that judge not, lest ye be judged. And no man is so pure that at any point, he may find himself somewhere he was not before and requires the same mercy that he had once held, that he had once withheld when he was the hand that held the handle. We will continue to listen to Judge, the Honorable Judge M. Sawyer, the, the, the Honorable Judge Stephanie M. Sawyer. We'll be right after this. We'll be right back after this and we will continue from where we left off with the, the, Honorable M, the Honorable Stephanie M. Sawyer putting into perspective the importance of this program and how it came about and what it would mean for society. This is the Neoliberal Round brought to you by the Neoliberal Corporation serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. Welcome back to the episode. 
So earlier, we had began with an excerpt of the interview with the Honorable Stephanie M. Sawyer. And we have some more of that interview because she went on to explain that the gen- she was she went on to explain that the general path when someone gets convicted, except for intentional carve outs. And when Miss Sawyer talks about when Judge Sawyer talks about intentional carve outs, she explained what is meant by intentional carve outs, which was important to understanding the point she was about to make concerning the general path when someone gets convicted in relation to her goal as a judge to not allow herself to feed the beast that was mass incarceration. So according to Judge Sawyer, car votes are things such as ARD, and ARD is accelerated rehabilitated disposition. Again, accelerated rehabilitated disposition. And actually, um, we're going to continue with the interview. But um, she was saying that, for example, say if you have a zero prior record score, we're not going to put you through the criminal record system and we are going to give you a different path. They have drug treatment code. So because you're a drug addict, we're going to carve you out of the criminal justice system and treat you in this manner. Or veterans court, because you're a veteran, we're going to carve you out of the criminal justice system and treat you in this path. Or mental health court. Because you have mental health problems, we're going to carve you out of the criminal justice system, so on and so forth. So Judge Sawyer then went back to where she, and then she went back to where she had left off when she was commenting on the general path when someone gets convicted except for intentional carve-outs, pointing out that the criminal justice system works like this. A judge will sentence somebody to probation and flog them out or flog them off to probations or flog them off to probation officers or they'll sentence them to incarcerations and flog them off to the Department of Corrections and over 90% get out. Listen, she said over 90% and that was revealing. Then they get flogged off to parole officers and the next time that judge, that that judge who sees the person they sentence will be when a probation or parole officer is so frustrated that they opine revocation because the, de- the defendant or parolee is either not doing what the probation or parole officer asks them to do or have a new case or has a conviction, a new conviction. So in those three circumstances, she says, a probation or parole officer will request a violation of probation hearing to recommend additional punishment. And the next time a sentencing judge sees a person that they had sentence is when that happens, meaning revocation, re-incarceration leading to mass incarceration. And because they, the sentencing judge, does not have no experience with the person, they would naturally follow what the probation or parole officer recommends. So the next time that the judge sentence you, judge, that the judge sentence you, you the, the, the judge, the next time that the judge who sentences you, sees you, it is time for you to get that sentence again. Again, let me, let me say that again. She says that, so the next time that the judge sent, who sentenced you in, a prior, in the prior conviction sees you again, then again, it's time, it's, it's time to sentence you again. So this led her to a very important conclusion couched in a question. So if judges sees people only to punish people, 
When exactly do they help? And this is a very, very important point. And she asked, in fact, we're going to continue with the interview and, um, and, and we're, going to pick up from, from, we're going to pick up from there. And here, here is the Honorable Judge M. Sawyer. So if judges only see people to punish people, when exactly do they help? Wow. I've created a, 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 a system, a program called Resource-Based Sentencing and Supervision. It's intended... Resource Sentencing... No, Resource-Based based. Sentencing and Supervision. Oh, wow. It's yes. how you sentence mm -hmm. and how you supervise. Right. Right? And so in that model, judges are actually part of the solution. Yes. They're actually there to help. When I sentence somebody, say I'm sentencing somebody with three possessions with a 10th to deliver and a 10th grade education. Yes. I can set my watch to his court. Right. So that right. means I have to sentence him to get his high school diploma. Mm -hmm. I have to sentence him to figure out what kind of vocational training he needs. Yes. What kind of, you know, buy-in he needs to, to have legitimate income. I mean, most of my corner boys, they're frustrated with them entrepreneurs. We yes. Can, if we can just get them to change their product. Yes, that is then we'd true. Then we actually doing something. Yeah. So there are folks with the entrepreneurial spirit that we have resources an entrepreneurial boot camp to learn how to get LLCs, to learn how to open up their own business and, and, and a quarterly uh, 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 profit and loss statement, all of that. And how to access funding as well. And say it again. And how to access funding. Because and I know that's how a, to access. That's a well, first major all, issue. But, but, but access to funding starts with financial literacy and understanding what happens with the dollar. Yes, Understanding yes. how credit works. Understanding the rule of 72, the point yes. of money which your money flips. Understand, so a financial literacy is the first step right. into showing people how to have access to money. Because you don't understand how to yes. get to it first, nor do you know how to grow it or, or, or any yeah. of these other things. Well, those are some of the resources that you, we give in resource-based nice, sentencing and supervision. Nice. So uh, I've been practicing resource-based sentencing and supervision in my courtroom uh, um, since, well, I didn't have a name for it until 2018. Yes. So... Formerly 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, and this year we just uh, launched the Sentencing Foundation. The Sentencing Foundation is intended to be the logistical support for resource-based sentencing and supervision such that it could be in every jurisdiction. Yes. State, federal, big cities, rural uh, uh, places. Yes. That's what the Sentencing Foundation is intended to do. Um, and that's what we're working on building out right now. So, so wow. it will, it will usher in a cultural shift mm -hmm. in jurists yes. to be part of the solution yes and, and instead of always showing up to, to punish defendants they're actually there to help folks yes and so that's what we're hoping uh, um, we'll catch on wow this is great we're talking with judge sawyer right here in philadelphia germantown philadelphia and this is just some of the programs that we need because you know what happened is that sometimes they punish these guys and one of the one of the young men, I do a series called What's Life Like Living in Philadelphia, interviewing hundreds of people in Philadelphia on the show. One young man, one gentleman, and several people have been saying, we need a father's movement. We lack responsible fathers and responsible parents, and they're all, they're not in the home. Or it's either, or we lack responsible parents. Some but people are saying social media, decay, or resources. It's all of the above. Yes. I don't know why anybody <laughs> wants to just point out one good reason and say, ooh, that's the magical yes, power. Yes, yes, Sprinkle yes. magical dust on a problem. There's no such thing. Multifaceted. As, as, as it's, it's a multifaceted problem. Yes, right? yes, yes. And so, you know, as a judge, I'm trying to promote yeah. a mechanism for judges to use yeah, yeah. Um, that will help greatly reduce recidivism. Like yes. Right? And so 
every individual in their own lane, in their own right, needs to. So, so they're, they're, we need to have people that that promote good parenting. Yes. We need to have. Uh, uh, people that promote trauma counseling because most yes. of the people I see uh, have post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Okay, so hurt mm -hmm. people hurt people. Yes. If you take a bunch of traumatized people and sprinkle a bunch of guns all over the place, why are you uh, surprised that folks are shooting? Uh, okay, why, it's why are you one surprised? thing leads to the next, leads why? to the next. I, I, uh, I mean, it's a shame, yes, yeah. but it's not surprising. Yes, yes. Everybody's yeah. like, oh my God, it's, it's not surprising. Yes, yes, it's, yes. What a powerful point. What a powerful point. Did you hear that point that, she, that the, the Honorable Judge Sawyer just made? About hurt people. Hurt people. Hurt people. Hurt people. Quite powerful. She said, as a judge, she's trying to promote a mechanism for judges to use that will help greatly reduce recidivism. What what what's quite powerful, and then she goes on to say that so hurt people hurt people, so when you take a bunch of traumatized people and sprinkle guns all over the place, what what do you think is going to happen? Quite powerful. Then she goes on to say that desperate people make really bad decisions. Therefore, if you want to effectuate a bad situation, you have to start by making people not desperate. And she goes on to make that point. We continue with the interview. Here, here is here is Judge Sawyer. Let's let's go back for a little bit because that was quite a powerful point. Yes, it's yes. really not. You know, if you look at you know when mass incarceration began in the eighties and nineties, you know, and, and, and crack epidemic came out, which they're obviously they're treating crack. Very different. They're treating opiates very differently than they treat crack. Yeah. But that's another conversation. <laughs> yes. But my point is, generations in the, from the 80s and 90s, yeah. their kids raised themselves. Yes. And now we're two ah. generations past that. Why are people surprised at how desperate things are getting? <laughs> yes. That, it, right. It, it makes complete perfect sense to yes, me. Yes, it's part of the but cycle. People are desperate. People make yeah. really bad decisions. If you want to effectuate the uh, situation, you have to start by making people not desperate. Yeah. Desperate people don't have the mental clarity to make a decent decision. Yes, 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 yes. There yes. are two kinds of people. There are actors yes. and there are reactors. Yes. Actors put things into place uh -huh. because they've thought things through and it's like a chess game. Yes. Reactors are just, there's a brick coming, duck. Yes. There's a fire over here, put it out. Reactors are just reacting to the situation in front of them without having an opportunity to think about what they want to do. Wow. You know, I was doing, I, I teach at colleges as well and there's one thing that I've been facilitating at, at the college course, at some people I'm teaching at the college course, talking about critical thinking. Absolutely. Developing a college mindset, comparing solving and mechanisms. Yes, yes. Because life is nothing but a series of problems, and how yes. you and how you problem solve definitely dictates your level of success. Wow, wow! Listen, there is so much that can be said, and learning, and people's ability to be able to problem. You are an amazing person. Oh, oh thank you. I can't wait to. And you said there is something coming up 
the yeah. launch. When is the launch of the? Well, uh, the well, we got to first make sure the website is up and running and operational. So my my guesstimation, because it's not a, it's not even a good estimation yet. The guesstimation is by the first week of November we should be nice. looking to have a a, a, a web launch, yes. a web launch event where people come in and donate because yes. Sentencing Foundation is not yes. a non-profit organization mm -hmm. that's, you know, resource-based sentencing supervision needs resources. Yes. The Sentencing Foundation facilitates that. Wow. Thank you so much. And um, we'll be there, guys. I will be there when it happens. Yes. And I will continue to follow your work. And yes. Thank you so much. The Around Podcast. That was the interview with the Honorable Stephanie M. Sawyer, Municipal Court Judge in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What a powerful interview. What a, what, what, what a powerful interview with, uh, with the Honorable Judge. Which, which, what a powerful... When we come back, we will wrap up. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the episode. You know, as the Honorable Judge Sawyer makes her case for the importance or, or presented her case concerning the importance of having a resource-based sentencing and supervision, she went on to explain. She went, she explained or went on to explain that there are two types of people reactors and actors she said that actors put things into place because they thought things through and for them life is like a chess game on the other hand reactors are just opposite of that there's a brick coming duck there's a fire coming put it out Reactors are just reacting to the situation in front of them without the opportunity to think about what they want to do. And I invite you to, and, and, and that's how she concluded, and I invite you to, 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 to donate and to support the program that they are, they are going to be launching this week. It's uh, the, con, the Consenting Foundation. Oh, the, the Consenting or the Sentencing Foundation, I believe it's called. So um, look out for that. And as soon as I more information that we get from, I will be participating in the program. I will reach out to her and whatever we get, uh, we will share it with you. And, um, and, um, and, but in closing, after such a powerful and passionate argument, making her case for a resource-based sentencing supervision program, it was no surprising. It was not surprising, it was not surprising that the judge would conclude the interview by sharing a well-needed and impactful effort that she and her team are embarking on if they can garner the support needed from donors and supporters. The launch of the Consenting Foundation, a non-profit organization that facilitates and sources the resources that the resources-based sentencing and supervision program needs. Of course, the launch again will be by the first week in November. This is the Neoliberal Round Podcast. That concludes the show today. And please, I invite you 
to support us. And just so you know, just so you know, the Neoliberal Corporation is a think tank, news commentary, digital creators, we're academics, website specialists, writers and editors, podcasters and publishers. Visit the Neoliberal Corporation and check out our services, our materials and archives at theneoliberal.com. Our podcast, subscribe for free at anchor.fm slash theneoliberal. And of course, visit us at rinaldocmckenzie.com and you can access more of our programs, our materials there. And um, we are also on YouTube. We are also at antsbusinesssolutions.com where you can access our website hosts and design services. And of course, visit um, us at theneoliberal.com and you can access some of our books, our materials, our journals, more news, blogs, so on and so forth. I am Ronaldo McKenzie. Thank you for listening and support us at https anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support. Walk good.